0: For more information on the Mormon Files Internet Video Program, please visit ExMormonFiles.com. That's ExMormonFiles.com. And now, here's Earl.
1: I'm your host, Bishop Earl, and I'm grateful for this opportunity. I have a, a series of guests here over the next five, six weeks that I'm excited to introduce. We're going to be interviewing, up close and personal, the Adams Road Band members. And we're going to start tonight with Micah Wilder. For those of you that know Adam's uh, road band, you'll know Michael Wy- Micah Wilder. And so we're happy to have you with us and kind of get to know you in a different way, maybe, and in a personal way. You were born into the church. Is that right?
2: I was. I was. I was born and raised uh, in Indiana in the Midwest. Uh, my parents were actually converts to the LDS church. Oh, um, they had been both actually raised in Christian households, and when they were at college, they had two Mormon missionaries knock on their door. Wow! Uh, they ended up joining the church, and then uh, we were all born in it and raised in it, and uh, always very active, always very faithful. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> basically, you know, grew up doing everything that we were taught to do, followed all the laws, followed all the commandments, went to church every week. Um, <laughs> you know, and I was just e- even as a youngster, I was pretty zealous. And I was the type of kid that always prided myself in, you know, having every leadership calling and the deacon squirm and teachers and priests quorum. And And this
1: was all in uh, Indiana.
2: Yeah, this was in Indiana. Um, We had kind of a unique experience happen when I was a teenager, uh, and that was that we left Indiana and moved to Utah. Hmm. And uh, the reason why we moved is because my mother got a teaching job as a professor at Brigham Young University. And that was really kind of... A big shock for us coming out of the culture in Indiana, where I was one of three or four LDS people in my entire school, to you know going to Alpine, Utah, where there were like three or four that weren't LDS. Yeah, you know? in so the whole, in the whole yeah, group. so it was a big it was a big culture shock for me. But at the same time, it really entrenched me even deeper into the culture, and I, I almost fell in love more with the LDS Church and, and religion because I you know had friends in it, and I had you know I just our whole family kind of got a lot stronger in it. Wow. And, um, I just lived it and loved it. In high school, I remember um, going to the temple to do baptisms for the dead, like before school. Yeah. I used to get up with my friend and my girlfriend, and we'd go at like 5.30 in the morning oh and God. go do temple uh, baptisms. Um, and, and it was just, I wasn't one of those people that lived it because everybody else around me did. I lived it because I truly believed it, you know. Yeah. I, I really believed I had that witness uh... that that emotional testimony you know the feeling the burning in the bosom i felt like i really had that and i lived it and i loved it and i i I prided myself in following the rules and living the laws and doing everything right you know and that was just the type of lds person that i was and Um, had you read the Book of Mormon then? Yeah, I had read it numerous times at that point, and uh, I, I I loved the Book of Mormon. You yeah. know, I fell in love with the Book of Mormon. And the characters and, uh, in the Book of Mormon. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And, and I really, I remember getting to that point where I was probably about 17, 16 or 17, and I really started looking forward to my mission. You know, and that was part of why I would go and do baptisms for the dead in the morning, and that was part of why, you know, I was so active, you know, in church every week, is because I was trying to kind of prepare myself and make myself worthy, you know, to to go and be a missionary. And I had two older brothers that did the same thing, and I really looked up to them, and I loved them, and I wanted to, you
0: know, kind of, yeah,
2: yeah. My oldest brother went to Russia, and uh, my next oldest brother, Matt, went to Denmark, Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I kind of wanted to follow in their footsteps. And so I graduated from high school. Uh, I went to Brigham Young University for a semester, and I had a very kind of interesting experience at Brigham Young because when I was there, I was very distracted from my schoolwork. And you know what distracted me was going getting ready for my mission. And not I was a, not so, a I was girl, si- but, uh, no I'm yeah not a girl. <laughs> I was so obsessed with preparing myself to go on a mission. Yeah and uh, I remember when I went through the temple for the very first time and I remember I just fell in love with it I went to the Salt Lake Temple I fell in love with it in fact I got kind of so obsessed with the temple that as soon as I finished my semester at Brigham Young University I I went to the temple president at uh, the Timpanogos Temple in American Fork. Mm -hmm. And I said, I just want to serve. You know, I love the temple. I want to be here every day. I don't want to work. I don't want to be hanging out with friends. I don't want to be with my girlfriend. I just want to be in the temple, and and I want to help prepare myself. I was 18 years old at this point, just a couple months uh, before I was going to go on my mission. And uh, he said, you know... Uh, I really appreciate that. And right there on the spot, he set me apart to be a full-time temple worker. My goodness. And so, starting I think a day or two later, uh, I was a veil worker in the LDS temple, the Timpanogos Temple. Uh, five, sometimes six days a week, uh, I would be you know working at the veil for eight hours a day, and sometimes I'd stay longer and help out doing baptisms for the dead and. Um, my, I mean, I really, at that point, my testimony was just completely entrenched in the LDS church. And, and there was never a doubt in my mind. You know. Do you
1: think the, how did you feel about Jesus at this point, with, and God, mm-hmm. since we, it's the emphasis in the temple, at least on the creation and so on. What, yeah. What was your feeling about them?
2: Well, I was a very, uh, to put it maybe, uh, I was a very Jesus-centered Mormon. And that, you know, I had a testimony of Joseph Smith, I had a testimony of, you know, the LDS Church, of the prophet, and the Book of Mormon, and all this, but it always kind of led me towards Jesus, and I always wanted to know him more. Wow. You know, but. Of course, the Jesus in Mormonism is a Jesus that saves us after we do all that we can do. And so I think I was always striving and seeking His grace and seeking His love, and I was trying to earn that love. And and that was different. Yeah. That's why I was going to the temple every day. That's why I was, you know, um, I'm trying so hard to make myself worthy, is because I thought that I needed to earn His grace and to earn His love, and that only by proving myself could I receive that Wow!
1: so you get called on a mission
2: I did get called on a mission Um, I was originally actually called to Mexico City Mexico and uh, and I was so excited to go there I you know read all the books and you know got on the internet and was looking about the culture and researching and I was practicing my Spanish the little I knew at the time and I went to the MTC and I was just gung-ho and I actually had an experience where I was playing basketball in the MTC And uh, I didn't get hit. Nobody touched me. I wasn't even around anybody. And all of a sudden, I had this really sharp pain in my chest. Mm. And uh, I ended up having to go to the hospital, and it turned out that my lung had collapsed. Oh, my goodness. It was a very kind of freak experience. And at that point, I actually was unable to go to Mexico City.
1: Had to stay stateside.
2: And, uh, yeah, they told me that I wasn't allowed to leave the country. And that's actually when my mission call got changed to Orlando, Florida. Oh, boy. Which kind of in the big picture is amazing because, you know, that's where God started to change my life was was in Orlando.
1: Tell us about that experience. And it's only about six months into your mission, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. It was only about six months into my mission, you know, including the MTC, uh, where I was going about tracting and knocking on doors. And, and I had to say I was a very zealous missionary. You know, I was called as a district leader very early on in my mission. I became his own leader very early on, and I was kind of a letter of the law type missionary where I wanted to, you know, follow every commandment. And uh, so I was with my mission companion, and we were going around, and uh, we drove by a Calvary Baptist Church in Winter Garden, Florida. Mm-hmm. And it was a Sunday evening, and it was raining, and we didn't want to knock doors, because nobody us to knock doors in the rain. And uh, their entire parking lot was full of cars, and we obviously assumed that they were having some sort of service. Yeah. And, and we were just so extremely zealous about our faith in the LDS Church that we... Decided in our hearts and our minds that they needed the gospel. They needed to be saved. So we pulled the right. The whole
1: congregation. The whole
2: congregation. I mean, you know, we, we believed, yeah. you know, and sincerely, we believed that they didn't have the message of the restored gospel. And sure. we thought that that was something that, that would bring them, you know, eternal happiness. And so we went into this church, we sat down. I sat through the, the entire church service, and I have to say that I was very moved. And I remember even being moved to tears. And what was so unique about it is that they were having a youth testimony night. And every single youth that got up and shared their testimony, it was completely centered on Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. There wasn't anything about the Baptist church. There wasn't anything about their leadership. It was about Jesus Christ and how, how he had made an impact in their lives. And that really moved that was me. That, was, that really moved yeah. me. But at the same time, I was so entrenched in Mormonism that I thought, well, you know, they're still lost. You know, I'm really moved by this. And yes, yeah. they love Jesus and I love Jesus, but they need the, the full, the full you know, message of the gospel. Uh, so we introduced ourselves to the pastor afterwards. We sat down with him and uh, he was very loving and open and kind and he you know, invited us right into his office and gave us an opportunity to share our message and that was what was kind of unique is that he didn't try to you know, step on our toes he just sat there and, and listened to our message for literally probably an hour where we presented him the first discussion we talked about you know the God calling prophets, and then we talked about you know Plan of salvation, yes maybe. Jesus planning his church and then the apostasy and the restoration the Book of Mormon and all this and and we go through this whole process and, and i'm you know really emotional about it i 'm you know really passionate Feeling about it i 'm trying to yeah. you know convey my testimony to him and you know I know that the Book of Mormon is true and he's just sitting there and he 's very um, Emotionless and he 's not saying a word and and I was actually thinking in my heart that he was silent because he might be converting, yeah, and so i c- kind of started getting this anticipation of of him confessing that he wanted to be baptized oh,
1: I, I, I see it all on huh? yeah,
2: yeah, and um obviously i didn 't realize at the time though that the message that we were sharing with him was very based in works. You know, it was works-based. And we were telling him that there were certain works and ordinances and steps that he needed to do on his own merit in order to be saved. Not realizing that if this was a man who truly knew Jesus and his grace, that that wasn't good news at all. Yeah. You know? um, so we finish this, and I'm waiting for what he's going to say. <laughs> yeah. And he looks us square in the eyes, and this is the very first thing he says. And he says, thank you, for your message. I appreciate your sincerity, but what you have shared with me is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, and that was, um, that really hit me hard because I, like I mentioned earlier, I'd never had a doubt about the LDS Church. And I had never once in my life considered that what I believed was not the only way to eternal life. And this guy just told me point blank that this whole message that we believed was the message of eternal life, it wasn't the gospel. And of course, that really shook me up and it kind of angered me. Um, And at that point, I really just wanted to get up and leave because I figured, oh, this is just some anti-Mormon guy. Now he's just going to be mean to us, you know, but something about the way that he dealt with it and the love and the respect that he had, it just kind of kept me seated, you know, and the fact that he had sat there and listened to us, I almost felt obligated to sit there and listen (laughs) to him. And, uh, and the very first thing he did was that he opened up the word of God. He opened up the Bible and he started to teach me about grace Is this a whole new concept to you? This was a completely new concept to me. I mean, my entire life, I had been taught and believed and was convinced that grace was only given to me upon my own doing. It was conditional upon the things that I did. And so I had always sought and worked so hard to earn His love and to earn His grace and to work my way into eternal life. And uh, he opened up the Word of God, and he just shared with me about a Jesus and a God and a love that was so much greater than anything I had been ever offered through the Mormon Church. And just a couple scriptures that he shared with me in Titus that says that when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. Uh, And then the one that made the biggest impact on me is when he opened up the book of Ephesians and read chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. And it says, "For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not your own doing; it's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one could boast." Wow. And um, that was really the first time in my life that someone had told me that salvation was a free gift, that that salvation was something being offered to me by God through Jesus Christ,
1: and that you couldn't add anything to it, and
2: that there was nothing I could do to work for or earn my way into that gift, and. I remember him reading uh, Romans chapter three, verses twenty-three, and it says, "For all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God, but we are justified by His grace as a gift."
1: Now, this was all this night.
2: This was all this this experience. Yeah, I was sitting down with this pastor. Did
1: you understand what he was saying at that moment?
2: I I didn't. You know, I mean, I, I got the gist of it, but. it it went over my head because it started
1: working in your heart
2: but it affected me but at the time it affected me in a negative way and I actually was was kind of angered by the message of grace because I thought well that just doesn't seem right I mean you know how can how can something as great as eternal life as salvation just be offered to us freely you know and I saw that saw that as kind of arrogant I said well we need to do our part you know we need to follow the necessary steps that have been established for us to to get into the kingdom of heaven and um... Uh, Hebrews chapter 4 I think summarizes it where it says that the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and I think that's what really affected me was the the piercing of the Word of God for the first time in my life because I was unable to contend with it and he just read scripture after scripture after scripture that, that showed and illustrated that salvation was bought and paid for in and through the blood of Jesus Christ and by him alone. And that there was nothing I could do and nothing I could ever do that could add on to what Jesus Christ had already done for me. Yeah. And that it wasn't about me working, it wasn't about me doing righteous works. There was one righteous work. And you know, a one act of righteousness yeah. once and for all offered on the cross for me. Wow. And Jesus Christ was beckoning me to come to him and and, and to, to lay down my works and to lay down my burden and to give it to him and accept that he was the only way. And um, that was the first
1: time I ever heard the gospel. That was a beautiful message. And trying to, trying to comprehend that must have... So did you... You studied and tried... I think you said once at some point you tried to prove him wrong. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so... After
2: he went through this whole process of presenting this message of the gospel, I was frustrated. I was angry. I kind of yelled at him. I read some Book of Mormon scriptures that were kind of (laughs) condemning of him for not believing in the Book of Mormon. I mean, it it was really embarrassing. And as I was leaving, I was really frustrated. And he he stopped me and he looked at me and he challenged me in love to go home and to read the Bible as a child. And those were the very specific words he said was to read it as a child. And I have to say, you know, as an LDS person, I had read the Bible in parts. I had never read the thing all the way through. I would never read the entire New Testament from cover to cover. And uh, that's what this pastor shared with me. And he promised me, he attached a promise to it. And he said, if I did that, that God would open my eyes and that He would change my life and I would see the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wow. And uh, that... That never left my heart after he shared that. (laughs) And it just kind of echoed in my mind. And it just made me more angry, I'll admit. You know, I was so kind of caught up in my pride, my arrogance at the time, and my religiosity.
1: Especially when we know what the true church is,
2: supposedly. Yeah, I mean, I knew. I had a testimony. I, you know, I I knew that that what he was saying was wrong. (laughs) And so I got home and I really kind of struggled within my heart and I couldn't really get this experience out of my mind, you know, this experience I'd had with this minister. And uh, I really kind of looked at my Bible and I, I finally gave in to reading the Bible and I gave in not because I thought that I had something to learn not because I wanted to learn about this gospel he would shared with me but because I wanted to prove him wrong as I think a lot of people who are religious yeah. start that process because they think that they're going to solidify their own faith through through the Bible and right. I thought I could do that and so as an LDS missionary, about six months into my mission, I picked up the Word of God and I started reading the New Testament every single day. And that's really when when
1: God started to make a change in my life. Wow. So did you have a born-again experience, would you say, or is it a process through your it study? It was very much a process
2: for yeah. me, you know, because I had been taught and believed my entire life and believed, you know, so sincerely in my heart that salvation came... Through the, sure. through the LDS church, through religion, through yeah. works, you know, through my own personal righteousness. And, and as I read the New Testament and I read the Gospels and then I got into the epistles, I started to see the big picture of what the message of salvation really was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I realized that it wasn't about what I could do for God. It wasn't about me proving myself to God. Yeah. It was accepting that God had proved His love to me. And that while I was still a sinner, Christ Jesus died for me. And that's why it was called the gospel, the good news, (laughs) that I had no hope upon my own merit. That I had no righteousness upon myself. I had no worthiness through anything that I could ever do. But that Jesus Christ, in His perfection, in His worthiness as the Lamb of God, offered Himself as a sacrifice on my behalf. Yeah, You know, and that he offered himself as a ransom for all. And he paid the price for the sins of the entire world. And I never knew that. I never knew that his blood was enough, that his grace was sufficient. And that if I accepted him by faith, then I could know that I was saved. And uh, it totally changed my life.
1: Why do you think Mormons don't understand that? Why are they still blind to that? I mean, they, they probably hear your message now tonight, hopefully, and... Will they understand that? Will they appreciate what you're really saying? I hope so. Yeah,
2: we hope. But I think, you know, like where I was at that point in my life when that that minister shared the gospel with me, I was so convinced in my heart that I had to prove myself to God. And I think that's what it is. It's through religion... You know, we're taught and we're, we're shown through, you know, LDS doctrine that we have to do our part. And so we believe and have a hard time accepting in this love that is so much greater than what we know through religion because His love offers grace freely, you know? Yeah. And I remember uh, reading Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, uh, that says that God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses God made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and I realized for the first time in my life as a religious man that I was dead you know that I was working for and trying to earn something that Jesus Christ had, uh, had been offering
1: me freely the entire time, and never under and you didn't understand. That.
2: And I thought because of I was wor- because of working in the temple, and I thought because I was a zone leader in the mission, and I thought because I was keeping the rules, that I was a righteous person, yeah. and I didn't really acknowledge myself or think of myself it's as a sho- sinner.
1: Shocking, isn't yeah. it? <laughs>
2: yeah, I didn't really realize who I was as a sinner, and that's what was revealed to me that I was a sinner who needed grace. And the only solution to my sin was Jesus Christ, was Jesus Christ. And, uh, and when I started reading the Bible, you know, the only thing I can compare it to is like in John chapter 4, when Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well, right? and he says, if you drink of this water, speaking of yeah. the physical water, you will be again. thirsty again, but if you drink of the water that I will give you, you will never be thirsty forever, and, um,
1: and that's the simple gospel message, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. and it was so simple, yeah, so beautiful. And so I got to the point, and you were asking about, did I have a born-again experience? This was the remainder of my two-year mission, so nearly a year and a half of going through the Studying. Bible and really struggling in my heart to accept what grace. What were you
1: teaching people? <laughs> well, that, <laughs> that that's kind, of, kind an of an interesting thing.
2: <laughs> yeah, in itself, because as I was learning truths through God's Word and as I was coming to the knowledge of grace and love, I started to teach that. you know, And I, I got by the time I was at the end of my two-year mission, I was no longer trying to convert people into the Mormon Church. I was trying to share with them the good news of Jesus of Christ. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Did your missionaries catch that little subtle uh, well, they, difference? They did. They, they <laughs> most definitely did. Um, but I think they were impacted by that because they, they felt through they were Jesus Christ new uh, yeah, too. a love that, that they had never known through the LDS Church. And wow. uh, I remember a book that was really impactful in my life was the book of 1 John where it explains that God himself is love, you know, and I realize it's all about love. It's all about God's love for us, that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world that we might live through him. And I love that passage where it says, you know, and this is love, not that we love God, but that God sent his only son to be a propitiation for our sins. And uh, it was just a completely life-changing and life-transforming process of going through the Bible. And, uh, you know, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, wow. and God changed my life. And uh, at that point, I only had two weeks to go on my mission, and I had completely given my life to the Lord. I'd become a born-again Christian, and obviously that put me in a
1: difficult situation. <laughs> yeah, you, you mentioned, I know I've heard this, uh, about your giving your last kind of testimony to the missionaries, and, yep. and you shared any, the, the testimony you had of Jesus and, yep. and that. And then you came home and mm-hmm. had an experience of uh with your state president right right yeah. and
2: and after God had made that change in my life uh, for those of the people familiar with LDS culture there's a departing testimony on your mission. And it yeah. was then that I shared my witness of Jesus Christ, and because of that, I ended up getting called in my mission president's office I was questioned you know about my faith in the LDS Church and of course I didn't have faith in the LDS (laughs) Church anymore I only had faith in Jesus Christ Uh, and at that point they actually kicked me off my mission you know threatened me with excommunication and deemed me unworthy uh, to be a missionary uh, because of my profession that it was Jesus Christ that saved not the LDS church not any church or religion that Jesus alone is the way the truth and the life And yeah and then I had to f- go home to to Utah and face my family and and go through that entire process of that's sharing tough. the gospel with them
1: and, and that's interesting you say that because we are in the church of Jesus Christ or we were <laughs> in the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints right you've developed a greater relationship with Jesus and you're being uh, criticized and even uh, uh, condemned for, for having that faith. Right. So we've only got just a couple of minutes left. Um, let me ask you a couple of quick questions. You're sure. married yes, now. Sir. You have children. Yep. Uh-huh. And, uh, and you t- attend a non-denominational kind of a church. The children enjoy going to church? Oh, and, absolutely. They yeah. enjoy
2: fellowshipping the Word. And my wife is actually my girlfriend from Lone Peak High School, my oh. Mormon girlfriend. Who uh, wrote me every week of my two-year mission? She waited for you on your mission. And uh, as I was going through my transformation process, shared the gospel with her, and she became a believer. Oh, and then we got married, and uh, have three kids now.
1: Oh, that's terrific. Yeah. Uh, so, are Mormons Christian? <laughs> uh, it's a big question. that's always asked. I,
2: I think I think that Mormonism is not Christian because it doesn't follow the direction given by the New Testament of how we are saved. Yeah. I think individual believers can accept Jesus Christ into their heart. I think they can be born again and know his love, but I think that will eventually lead them out of the LDS church. Kind
1: of like you were that last year and a half of your mission, probably exactly. more more born again and still Exactly. In the church. When I was
2: going through that process, I never realized that that was going to lead me out of the LDS religion, yeah. but that was inevitably what happened because I could not profess that Jesus was the only way and continue to bind myself to a religious system that taught me that they, they were the way.
1: And they were with all the works and the rites and the rituals. Right. So if an LDS person's having a question mm-hmm. about their faith or their history or mm-hmm. just feeling this way about things, what should they do?
2: My best advice is to go to the Bible, open up the New Testament, and to read the Word of God.
1: Trust, trust the Word,
2: that God's brought
1: His Word forward,
2: right? Absolutely, and, and to be transformed by the message of the good news, and to see the simplicity of what Jesus Christ has done for all of us, and that is pay the price for our sins.
1: Wow. Well, Micah, thanks so much. I know you're busy. You spend, what, four or so months a year? Uh of uh, 4 months a year uh, traveling with the band and yep. and the rest of the time you're in Florida and, mm-hmm. and uh has it been enjoyable it's been amazing yeah you know that i've never had the joy that i've had
2: when i accepted jesus christ in my heart that's not to say that life is easy no which in fact i think it got a lot
1: more difficult but i have the
2: the eternal peace now of knowing that that i have security through jesus christ
1: well i sure appreciate your testimony and how you feel about the bible and the savior now and about jesus and what he's done for us uh... any last last thing in the last few seconds we have <laughs> I just encourage you know anybody
2: that that's questioning you know to to put your trust in Jesus and, yeah. and and I'm a witness that Jesus can offer you something that religion never can and that's that's you know the bread of life and the living waters that satisfies our hunger God. and quenches our thirst in a way that religion never can
1: thanks Micah good night and we'll see you next week